On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I give you a bit of an update on the past week of my life. I explain to you why I don't run with earphones. And I talk about why you should be inspired and not jealous when you see somebody doing better than you. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 166 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is a place where I share the lessons I wish I knew sooner. Think of this as me learning out loud, sometimes on my own, and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, Hope you're well. Hope you've had a good week since we last spoke like this. Three episodes in a row. I'm not saying this is becoming a trend, but it looks like the podcast is back. It looks like I've found the time in my schedule to actually sit down and do this. Still no video, but you know that because if you listen to this on Spotify or Apple or wherever you are, you found it. So it's okay. The video will be back eventually, just not for now. Too busy for that. However, it's been a busy week. Lots to fill you in on. Um, a couple of ideas to share with you. I think this week's episode will be a short one. I know I say that often, but actually I'm just, I'm just looking at my notes and there's, there's not a huge amount to talk about. Um, but yeah, it has been busy since this time last week. Um, last Friday, I did my half day and then decided not to leave the office any earlier than usual anyway, because I didn't want to get stuck in traffic. So I actually did my half day and then sat around doing nothing for a few hours, but did the half day nonetheless, then drove back to Corby on the Friday the Saturday was my mum's birthday, and so we had a little day out together, which was nice. It was very sunny. We got some food. We went for a walk. It was really good. That was great to be back home for that. And then on the Sunday, I went to London, went to a, I don't know how to describe it, like a light show inside of an enormous 55,000 square foot warehouse in East London, but with no music. It's like a rave, but without the music um, in a place called... The Beams, which, if I understand correctly, is like a multi-use venue operated by the people who run Printworks, that right now had an art installation light thing in there. But actually, I think it's just going to be Printworks replacement in London. It's just going to be a massive nightclub. But it was cool, nonetheless, to stand in this enormous, enormous space and for it to be filled with these crazy lights and effects and noises. And it was just really interesting. It was different. Uh, so I did that. And then Monday, I drove back to Wales. Tuesday, this was a random one. I went to see Coldplay. Now, I didn't even know how many Coldplay songs I knew, but what I did know, this is terrible, but what I did know is I'd seen a few TikToks of their current tour. And it just looked fun, to be honest. I know that it is absolutely designed to pop off on TikTok, like every single element of that gig, from the lighting to the balls that bounce around to the planets, to the little, uh, just it's, it's designed for TikTok. It's designed for the, the Gen Z kids. Um, but it worked on me, to be honest, because I saw some TikToks. I thought this looks cool. Coldplay were playing Cardiff on Tuesday and Wednesday. I knew I knew some of their songs. And although it was sold out, you know that I'm good at getting resale tickets. And so I managed to wangle a £120 ticket for £50 two hours before the gig started. Jumped on the train from the office at like no notice whatsoever. Just finished what I was doing for the day, jumped on the train, saw Coldplay. It was good. It was all right. I don't know what I was expecting. I knew lots of their songs. And if you've seen any videos of how the lighting is done 
on that tour where everybody has like a wristband and those wristbands light up in sequence. So it's like the whole stadium is the lighting rather than there being lighting. It was cool. It was nice. I knew a few songs, had a little sing along, went home, slept. It was, it was an interesting way to spend a Tuesday. Um, and then Wednesday, a couple of things happened on Wednesday. What happened? West Ham won the European Conference League. Is that what it's called? You can tell I'm not a big football person, but West Ham won something for once. So I watched that. That was good. FaceTime my brother, who's of course over in New Zealand and he was watching it in a pub at like 8am surrounded by a bunch of East London blokes who happened to live in New Zealand, but were watching West Ham win. Also, just before that, yesterday, I ran my first ever sub one hour 10k. And also for what it's worth, I would say ran my first ever proper 10k because the only other 10k attempt that I have done, which was a few weeks ago, there were a couple of pauses and a couple of moments where I had to walk to get my breath back and whatever it was. Um, whereas this one was a 10k. Like I left the office, I ran for 10k, I stopped. There was no stopping. There was no struggling. There was no trying to catch my breath. I think that I finally got to the point with running where I've worked out what is a fast pace for me. If I'm trying to push say a 5k time, I've worked out what is like a, a recovery run pace. And I think I've also now worked out what a 10K pace is for me. So it's currently about five minutes, 50 per kilometer. I can do that pace, particularly on flat, straight roads um, without much bother at all. To be honest, my heart rate is probably still a little bit higher than some would say is optimal. However, it doesn't feel particularly high in the moment, as in it doesn't feel like I'm struggling. It doesn't feel like I'm running out of energy or struggling to catch my breath or breathing particularly heavily. Um, it just feels nice and controlled. So that was a, I think it was like 58 minutes and 50 seconds, give or take, uh, to do that 10k. And not that I plan to do it again anytime soon, because if I'm following the training program that I need to be following, there's a couple more shorter runs between now and when I should be hitting 10k. I need to do an 8k on Sunday and then like a 9k the week after and then I should be at 10k. I got bored yesterday and just decided to do a 10k anyway. I think I could do it faster. Um, I think putting 10k through my legs for the first ever time properly taught me a couple of lessons about, um, I don't even know how to word it, like posture because that was probably the first run where my body was giving up sooner than my breathing or my mind. Like most of the times where I've struggled on a run over the past four months, whilst learning to go from not being able to run for 60 seconds to currently being able to run nonstop for 60 minutes, they've been mental battles, right? They've been struggling to push through a slight piece of resistance, typically around the three kilometer mark. I don't know what it is about that distance, but in my head, it feels long enough to have the excuse to quit, but short enough to not worry about quitting. And so my mind plays mad tricks on me at that point where it's like, you can just give up now. Don't, you don't need to run. You can stop pushing through that kind of stuff has been a challenge over the months. So too has my breathing because of my pacing, right? I hadn't worked out how to pace myself correctly. I hadn't worked out what does or doesn't feel sustainable. And so by the time I'm on like the third or fourth or fifth kilometer, when my pacing is wrong, my breathing is so far out. My heart rate is so far out that it's just unsustainable. I've overcome those two things. Like I think I've learned the lessons that need to be learned there to the point where I can do that relatively repeatably, right? I could, not going to, but I could step outside right now and run 10k and be fine. Like I would get back and I'd be a bit sweaty, but I know for a fact that on those two levels, fine, not a problem. 
the one that I struggled with slightly yesterday is the physicality of it. Just the, the pounding of my feet for probably, I don't know, 14, 15,000 steps in the space of an hour. Um, just took its toll a little bit. Um, I, they weren't particularly big steps as in, it's not like I was running fast and therefore the steps are quite gentle, but even still, I think that that'll be the next challenge. A, an appropriate warm up, an appropriate cool down, the correct stretches, the correct posture, um, listening to my body in such a way whereby in 117 days time, I can do two and a bit times that distance because that's how far a half marathon is, right? 10k feels long right now. It's the furthest I've ever ran, but it's not even halfway to what I need to be running at hopefully a reasonably faster pace than I currently am in just a few months time. And I'm confident I can get there, to be honest. Sorry, this is lots of talk about running that came out of nowhere. I'm confident I can get there because look how far I've come since February when I literally couldn't, like I say literally, I mean that in a literal sense. People use literally to not mean a literal thing these days. I literally mean I could not run for 60 seconds. Like the first week of Couch to 5K, the running blocks are 60 seconds and I couldn't do it. And so because I know how quickly progress can be made when you're following a training program with running and how distances which once seemed nearly impossible can just be easy, right? You can just do it and not think about it. Um, I know that I can get to the half marathon distance with no problem. I know that I can improve my pace like I have done with no problem. Um, but it's just about following the training plan, sticking to it and hopefully, hopefully avoiding injury again, because the two injuries that I picked up early on put me out for weeks and I would probably be a lot further ahead right now if I didn't have to rest for a combined five and a half weeks, which I have done so far. So it's all to say that running's going well. I'm really enjoying running. And just as a quick side note, actually, I don't know if you'll find any value from this. Probably not if you don't run, but there's something in this that's um, perhaps a little bit more significant than just running, which is that for all of my runs longer than 5k or longer than 4k, because we include in this every single 5k I've ever done, minus the original 10k I did, where I did have earphones in, I've done all of those long runs with no earphones, with no music, just with my thoughts and the kind of inner monologue and that little monitor inside of my head that checks on all of the systems as I'm running, if that makes sense. And I don't know what it is, but I find running with no music where I'm essentially just plodding down the road for an hour, speaking to myself, sometimes in my head, sometimes out loud when you're on a two mile long road and there's nobody there. I find it so much more useful from a mental clarity perspective and from a keeping an eye on what's going on perspective. When I say the little monitoring system in my head, right? There's lots to focus on when you're passively running. It's your pacing, it's your surroundings, it's where your feet are going to make sure you're not about to twist an ankle. It's your breathing in some senses, it's your heart rate and making sure that that is at a level where you know that four, five kilometers down the road, you're going to be okay. All of this stuff, very useful to not have music, but then also to, to have running be, I guess, a form of therapy. And I use that phrase lightly because it's not like I think of anything particularly deep or profound when I'm running, but what I do get is solitude. Solitude, of course, as I always go back to that definition from Cal Newport's book, being absent of the inputs of anybody else's mind, right? So it's not with 
music. It's not with reading a book. It's not watching TV and just happening to be physically alone. It is literally being absent of the thoughts, the inputs of anybody else. And when I look through, I guess, every area of my life, every hour of my life, I don't get a lot of solitude. You know, I'm in the office from, well, let's rewind. Actually, I wake up, I check my phone. I know people say you shouldn't, but I wake up, I check my phone. Then I uh, either go to the gym and then I'm around a bunch of people whilst listening to music or I go to the office and on the way to the office, I'm listening to, I don't know, the news agents podcast or the rest is politics, listening to the thoughts of other people from their minds. That's not solitude. Then I get to the office. I walk past the receptionist. I say hello again to the office, speaking to people in the office, emailing clients all day, meetings, and then I'm texting friends and then I go home and maybe I have food and I'm speaking to people and then I, I don't know, sit in bed and watch something or I'm on my phone or whatever it might be. Again, I know I say I don't do all these things, but I do them. And there's not really ever a single moment, a single intentional moment in my life where I have solitude. And I guess what I'm saying is, if not particular thoughts which bubble up to the top in those moments, there's definitely a, a sense of calmness that I get once I return from 30 minutes, an hour of running, an hour of just allowing my thoughts, my mind to do what it wants without being swayed and steered by other people, without being kind of hijacked by an app or pulled to one side by an email or having to focus intently on what a podcast guest is saying or what somebody in a meeting is telling me or answering an email with a question that needs my focus because somebody needs to know something. It's just me. And nobody else and nothing else. And I'm sure that there's some sort of like endorphins going on, which also made me feel good after running nonstop for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. But there's also definitely, I think, something to be said about, if not running, going for a walk with no earphones and nobody, if not going for a walk, sitting in a room, like literally just sitting in a room on your own, doing whatever you can to have these tiny pockets of solitude in your days and in your weeks, because they are unlike anything else. Again, in a literal sense, they are unlike anything else in as much as almost every second of our days right now are taken up by other people. Whether you're, like I say, listening to a podcast, reading a book, listening to music even, these activities which are often done alone and not done in solitude, they are not done in an environment which allows the thoughts in your mind to do what they need to do, right? And that might sound like a scary prospect, allowing your thoughts to do what they need to do. But if you're not processing them, what are you doing with them? Are you, are you ignoring them? Are you distracting yourself from something? I think they're just sitting down and allowing your thoughts to do what they need to do, going for a walk, going for a run. There's definitely something in it. I've somehow managed to go on for a huge amount of time about running. This is just going to be a quick bullet point that I skipped over. However, I think it's all valid. I think it's all important. So there are some random thoughts that my 10K under an hour gave me yesterday. Um, and I guess the only other thing to say is that now it's Thursday. Of course, when I record this, I'm going to do my half day on Friday and then drive back to Corby again for the actual week that I was going to spend there. Because of course, last week I was only there for the weekend for my mum's birthday. So I guess that's the little summary that was going to take about two and a half minutes to tell you what I've been up to for the last week, which has taken 15 minutes. Maybe this episode won't be short after all. Um, and then the only other thing that I really want to touch on is a note that I made the other day, which says... When you see somebody doing well, are you jealous or inspired? Do you look for the reasons why they don't deserve to be where they are? Or do you look for the clues of how they got there? 
because this is really interesting. I was watching a YouTuber and they're like one of the big flaunty, flashy YouTubers, huge business, cars, this and that, like everything, everything that you would look at and be like, wow. And the overwhelming sense I had is like, that's incredible. I'd love to know how they did this or how they achieved that or, you know, how they became so articulate or what books they read or the, the conversations they had, which shaped them into the person they are. Right. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, A, I'm inspired, hence the podcast and all the guest episodes. I'm inspired when somebody who isn't me does something that I would want to do. But then I'm also curious. I'm curious as to what clues their path to get to where they are has left. Because those clues, in theory, are a shortcut to where I want to be. But then, of course, on the other hand, there are other people, we all know them, who look to somebody who has achieved something whether it is their mate from down the pub or a billionaire on Instagram or anything in between for that matter. And they will immediately begin to search in their mind and out loud for the reasons why somebody doesn't deserve to be where they are, why they shouldn't have got that thing, why they shouldn't have sold that business, why they don't really deserve that possession, whatever it might be. And they will work backwards from somebody else's success to bring that success further in line with their lack of success, for want of a better phrase, right? They will talk down the achievements of everybody else, I guess, through some sort of insecurity or jealousy in order to feel less bad. And that's kind of the path. And that's why I think this is, this is an interesting experiment to run with yourself. If you look at successful people and you feel inspired, right? If that, that feeling inside of you is trying to propel you towards them, i.e. it's trying to propel you towards a greater place, then I would argue you're probably on the right path in life, right? If you've got the foundations in place in your life to such a point whereby looking at somebody who is objectively better than you at the thing that you want to be good at pulls you towards their level, you've probably got things sorted. Whereas the opposite is also true, right? If you look at somebody who is doing well, it could be a school friend that you follow on Instagram. It could be a celebrity, a musician, whatever it might be, right? A, a big person, a small person, somebody you know really well, somebody you know from a distance. And when you look at their achievement, when you see that Instagram post that tells you that they've got the thing that you want, when you, I don't know, read about them in a newspaper, see a post and you feel jealousy, or you feel for whatever reason, instinctively, without the fact that that person does not deserve to be there, that they should not be there, that, that you could do better, that it's easy, that anybody can do that, that la 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 la, then there's probably a problem. If the feeling inside you is dragging them towards you, i.e. you want to drag them down, as opposed to you towards them, i.e. the feeling of being inspired is propelling you towards the level which they are at, then again, I would argue there's probably something wrong with your current foundations because that's what this comes down to, right? I think that this is fundamentally a question about your belief in yourself and whether or not you have the, the confidence, the lack of insecurity to believe that with the same steps, with the same effort, with the same time, with the same luck, let's be honest, you could get to the level of the people who inspire you. And the reason I noted this down, the reason I wanted to speak about this the second this thought popped into my head is I think that more than anything else, that single decision, whether you try to pull people back towards you or propel yourself towards them, is probably the biggest decider of success, whatever that means to you, in your life, period. 
because we're always going to come up against seeing people who are better than us. There is always going to be countless people with more money than you, countless people with a a better car, a nicer watch, a newer iPhone, a bigger business, more staff members, more friends, right? More likes on their Instagram posts, whatever it might be. I can't speak to what inspires you, what, what your insecurities are, but there's always going to be people who are poking at those potential insecurities. There are always going to be people, particularly in this algorithm-led world where we're shown the extremities of everything, there are going to be people who are better than you. That's a fact. You can't change that. So you need to deal with how you respond to that. And the way I see it, there are those two potential responses. Like I say, you either feel jealous and they do not deserve to be there because I'm not there and therefore I need to drag them back towards me. That will get you nowhere. That will make you miserable to be around. That will convince you that you are in some way a victim, that you are, I don't know, oppressed. And if if only X, Y, Z thing happened, you could be there because that person doesn't deserve it and is easy and la la la. Or just as easily with a single decision, with a single shift in your mindset, you can just choose to be inspired by these people. Because when you're inspired by people, you go down a very different path in your mind, I believe. You don't look for the reasons why it's easy. You don't discount what they have done. You don't actually fall into the trap of believing that it was easy, believing that anybody could do it, believing that right now you could do it. Instead, you realize that the reason you're not where that person is right now is because you are not on the level of that person right now. But the key words there are right now. And then when you're approaching it in that way and saying, how could I get there? How could I be on a level with this person? How could I have similar success? How could I become a similar person to the person I aspire to be? Whilst looking at this person, you can work backwards, right? You can maybe go into their archive of the content they produced, look at where they were five years ago. You can read their tweets, see if they recommend any books, listen to interviews with them, read up on them, look at their businesses, see what they do, and try to understand if there are trends or similarities between all of the people who inspire you, see if they have any advice of what they would be doing if they started a game, right? If you look at the question I asked Danny Buck on my chat with him a few episodes ago, I asked him what he would do if he was starting again today, right? If he needed to build his 20 million pound a year turnover brand again today, what would he do? Now, if somebody approached listening to that conversation and they decided that, oh, I, I don't like Danny because he's more successful than me, they're not even going to make it to the point in the episode where he gives that advice, let alone listen to it. Whereas if there was somebody listening to that podcast episode who really wanted to have similar success with a direct consumer brand like what Danny has built and they get to that point in the podcast and they believe that if they listen to him because he's done it, they can gather insight from him, which would be valid, which would be useful. And then they hear the answer to that question. They've literally got the keys to go and do what he has done because of that single shift in how they view it. So I don't know. I just, I think people are too cynical these days. I talk about this a lot. People are too quick to discount and dismiss the success of others because that's the easy option. It's way easier to be like, oh, that person doesn't deserve to be there. Oh, they have rich parents. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, no, they got lucky. Oh, they went on Love Island and oh, they don't really deserve to be doing this. And actually their business isn't as good as you. Like, just stop. Stop pulling other people down and look at how you can propel yourself towards where they're at. Because I say it all the time, but th- this time is passing anyway, right? <laughs> I mean, Again, people are listening would say that getting on for 30 isn't old, but I'm getting towards 30 and I'm acutely aware of the fact that the past, you know, 15, 20 years of my life have gone very quickly. The next 15 or 20 will go just as, if not more quickly. And so there is no time to be spending your energy 
on pulling down other people, on deciding that it's so unfair, on saying that if, if only I, I could have been there, if just go and do it, just work out how people have got there be inspired by success rather than allowing it to convince you that you're a lesser person. Understand, like I always say in my little TikToks, that your idols are no different to you. They're just further ahead than you. And then work out how they got further ahead than you and then go and do it. That's it. Um, And I think that is everything. Oh, no, it's not. I've got a note here, which is that I've just confirmed a really, really interesting guest. Um, Somebody who just has a a crazy story, a story that I, I read the... Uh, like the headline under the title of their book. And I'm like, no, they didn't do that, did they? They did that. And then I go and Google it and I'm like, wow, crazy. Um, Once a date is confirmed in with this person, they've confirmed they're coming on. We just need to work out a date and time. You know what it's like, all the logistics. I'll tell you exactly who it is, but I'm very excited for that conversation. It'll probably be out in four or five weeks time based on the recording date. And I can't wait for it. But other than that, I am off home again tomorrow for an actual week back in Corby because I was only there for the weekend this time. And I'm going to try and have a proper, actual, real weekend off. And by weekend off, I don't just mean not working. I mean doing nothing because it's been a long while since I've done one of them and I need it because I'm tired and busy. And so I can't wait to just do nothing for two days. That's my plans. Um, Whatever you're doing, I hope you have a good weekend. I hope you have a good week. Thank you as always for listening. And I'll see you back here this time next week the episode number 167 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.